Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. So as we wrap this topic on freedom this week, um, my heart is that this series helps us gain a confidence, a confidence to proclaim boldly who we are in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. This is why I was, you know, I was sitting there in the front row and, and I couldn't just, I just had to say, you know, I am who you say I am. It's not who my dad said I am or who my mom said I am or who the family thinks I am. No, it's who he says I am. That's what I am. That's what I am. So, so I'm boldly saying it. I'm saying it with confidence, singing it in confidence, putting a melody to, to, to God's word. And it is my heart that in your walk as a believer, your walk is defined by your response to what Jesus did for us on the cross and not because of anything or that uh, I or you or you or me can ever do out of our own strength. Everything that I do is out of a response of what Jesus did on the cross for me. So I sing out of a response to what Jesus did on the cross. Did you get that? I praise as a response to what Jesus did for me on the cross. In my giving, I give out of a response to what Jesus did. Not paying for it. No, it's a response out of gratitude. That's why I can be generous. And all that I do, in my generosity with others, in my love, all that I do, I do as a response to what Jesus did for me in the cross. Everybody got that? So it is my heart that uh, as we continue in this walk, that you continue to grow in that confidence, in that boldness. Oh, it's about what Jesus did. Not about what I did at the church because I'm volunteering. No, it's not about that. Oh, it's about what Jesus did. It's not because of how much I gave on that particular Sunday. It has nothing to do with that. Want us to know it's what Jesus did. I spent eight weeks with the teens, and in those eight weeks, it's one of the things I was drilling. I was just drilling into them. Do you know the price of your freedom? Do you know the price of your salvation? Oh, let me tell you, let me tell you about the gory mess of the blood shed on the cross. You know, um, when I was 16 years old, how old? 16. 16 years old. Yeah, 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 I'm going to send you out of hell. I got my girlfriend at 16. I got my girlfriend pregnant. Yep, I'm going there. I'm going there. I got my girlfriend pregnant at 16. How old? 16. I got my girlfriend pregnant. 16. My girlfriend uh, then... My wife of 34 years now. I didn't know what to say to my parents. I didn't know how to say it, how to bring up this conversation to my parents. My, my sister, Jemina, is here. She can confirm that what I say is. 
Uh, my dad was a well-respected pastor in the Wilmington area, uh, especially amongst uh, Latino, the Latino community um, in that era, in that time. And I, I knew that this was going to send shockwaves into that, that tight-knit community when they found out Pastor Carmona's son got a girl pregnant. We were already, as a family, under a lot of stress, living up to the standard of the church of that era. And um, the news of his eldest son having a child out of wedlock would give people fuel to criticize and discredit my father and all of the wonderful work that he had already been doing for many, many years in the community of Wilmington. Before the Latin Community Center existed, you know, my father was a community center in the community. Uh, he... he he, he, helped, he helped the homeless. He fed the, the, those that were in need. He, he did everything that he could in the community, in the area, to help be the salt and to help be the light of the world. And that was, that was my pops. So, you know, I, I had what seemed to be this weight of the world on my shoulders between Becky being seven months pregnant. Seven months pregnant, and we hid that. Well, she hid it. <laughs> seven months pregnant, and she had never seen a doctor for seven months. Those that uh, seven months, this teenager um, was hiding this from from everyone, and I, I had what seemed to be the weight of the world. Um, Becky's mom also didn't know, um, so my parents didn't know. No one knew, of course. Uh, even the church. So I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. And in my desperation, I thought as many folk do, grown folk, young folk, when you find yourself cornered with a mess that you don't want anyone to know about, what do we run to do? Let me fix it and let me hide it. And that's what I attempted to do. Um, and I said to myself, and I openly share this, if I can convince my wife, Becky, at the time, my girlfriend, to have an abortion, it would take care of it all. And again, I'm 16 years old. Becky's 16. And embarrassingly, I, I admit that I had the conversation with Becky. And I said to her, I know this, this is not right, but it'll fix so many things. And Becky then, a child, said to me, with you or without you, I'm going to have this child. Amen. That child today is in another church preaching the gospel of Jesus. No, no. You know, we, my father and I went to a, um, a local Denny's right here on Route 13. Anybody remember the Route 13? There was a Denny's there. And I went out there, and I was shaking, um, just scared to tell my father. And with a long pause, and a, I, I told my father that Becky was pregnant. He takes a sip of his coffee. He pulls on his mustache. That was his, that was his signature thing. When my father was in deep thought. He just pulled on his mustache. I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm going to get it. And he put his hand on my shoulder. 
And he said, we're going to get through this, son. Things are going to be hard for me, but they're going to be harder for you. But we're going to get through this. And I left that conversation with forgiveness. There was no condemnation. There was no judgment. There was no criticism. I didn't get scolded. I, 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 all of the things that I deserved. At 16 years of age, I learned the depth of my dad's love. Not because of the stuff that he was providing for my well-being or by the many gifts that came from my father because I, I was a spoiled child. In fact, I can say that I was the favorite I learned about my father's love because of the forgiveness of my iniquity. See, freedom in our heavenly father is revealed in our response to his forgiveness. Knowing the depth of my, forgive it, my forgiveness and, and, and my sin that had been forgiven made my relationship with dad now more valuable. I worked hard to show my dad that I wasn't taking his forgiveness for granted or in vain. I felt a debt for him. Every time he'd had to walk into church and stand on the pulpit, he had to walk through the groans and the moans and the whispers. But my dad took it for his love for his son. I grew closer to him. I grew in my walk with God. I grew in my involvement in the local church. <laughs> Becky and I got married at 17. 17. Y'all heard that? I got married. And I remember telling Becky in my, with my immaturity, I told, I told Becky, I, I, I know these people are going to be against us for a long time. But in my commitment to God, and our commitment to God, let's just work harder in church. I was the musician for many years at the church. And um, so as a form of discipline and restoration in that time, they removed me from playing the, the keyboard. I couldn't play the keyboard. And ain't nobody saying anything about a tambourine. <laughs> I grabbed that tambourine. I down, down, down. <laughs> Tore that tambourine up. <laughs> because of my father's forgiveness, I grew in my marriage. I grew as a husband. I grew as a father because of my father's forgiveness. See, the fruit of forgiveness produces all of these beautiful results in our lives when you respond to them. Coming to Jesus should be followed by a response to what he did. People drag themselves to church as if you're doing God a favor. He don't need your attendance. You need it. Amen. Especially when you arrive on time. The response in our lives to what Jesus did for us on the cross 
should be evident in all we do. Becky, my kids, they all know. I'm, I'm, I'm adamant about being punctual to anything that has to do with the things of God. Not because I want a man's approval, but I do it because it's my, it's my response to what he did for me. That's all I have to do is wake up a little, a little earlier. I'm going to do it. My kids know that. I, I, I ingrained that in them. You ask their wives. It's annoying. I got to be there early. Why? Because Jesus is never late for me. Can I move on and stop that? All right, I want to move on. This was the matter that Paul, the apostle, was addressing in his letter that he had written in Col- uh, to, in, 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 to the church in Colossae, the Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 16, I'm sorry, 6 through 17, but I'm going to pause in between. I'm going to interject, okay? So, so I want to give you this message, but I want you to take your notes, and then I want you to go home, and for those that have questions, the version that I am reading is the New Living Translation. New Living Translation, all right? So just go back, and whatever version Bible you have, go back, read for yourself, and follow, and follow, But uh, out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, the first verse says, And I, and now, and now, just as, and now, just as, accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. Notice that the word, it uses the word Lord. Now, Lord means ownership. Somebody say ownership. Ownership. So, so yes, you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are a slave to your Lord. All right? So it uses the word Lord, and that's very important that Paul writes that that way. And he says, you must what? Continue. You must what? Continue. You must what? Continue. To do what? Wow. See, your walk as a Christian is one that is continued. It is a continued, it is a, it is a continued following. It is an ongoing pursuit. If Jesus is savior of your life, then you demonstrate your devotion in the way you follow. You hear it? I saw Anthony and Shawani walking in this morning and Anthony was walking ahead. And Shawani was behind them. And Anthony was just eager to get to church. And Shawani was in the back talking to herself. I don't know what she was doing. And I went, oh, oh, oh. And I ran after him and I chased him and I grabbed her hand. And I, Anthony, come here. And he's like, he don't like that. Hold her hand. He's like, oh. Our conduct, our behavior is a reflection of our devotion in response to what we feel. So as, as, I, as we do this, and I'm not, I'm just picking on Anthony and Shawana just because I'm just giving them a hard time. Uh, but but, but I, I do that because even in our walk as believers, everything that we do is, in a, is, is as a response to what he did. 
the way I do things, the way I carry myself. If I'm going to volunteer, I volunteer with high uh, standards and excellence, not because anyone is going, someone's going to give me a pen or, or, or someone's going to applaud me. No, this is out of a response of the bloody mess on the cross for my life. Amen. So Paul tells the Colossians, you must continue your walk. Continue this walk. Many people are seasonal in their walk as believers. They're faithful for three months and then they abandon their walk for another three. And, and, then, and then it's not until crisis or hardship comes that then they'll return again and then the cycle turns around again. They have two, three good months and then four or five bad ones and then, and then crisis strikes again and you're like, oh, maybe God is trying to tell me something. And we're told in Colossians that we are to follow continuously. This is ongoing. Drag your butt. Drag your butt. I I wives, if you want to put a demand on your husband on Sunday, hey, listen, I will tell you, leave the makeup behind. Get up. Get, you know what? I'm going to get to church. And I don't care about the mega. I don't care. I'm just going to get out there because I want to be there on time. Honey, we're going to church. When does it start? Start on Friday. <laughs> start on Friday. He, he said, let's continue in your walk. Verse 7 says, verse 7, we're going to continue. It says, let your Roots grow down into him. Not the church. Not the pastor. Not the apostle. Not the bishop. Not the elder or the deacon. No. Grow your roots into your relationship with God. Many believers have a deeper relationship with the deacon and with the elder and, and with the evangelist and with the pastor. Far from God. I tell people, I, I, listen, you want to love me, you want to like me, whatever. My aim, my commitment is to point you to the cross. I didn't do it. He did it. And he said, let your roots grow down. And that can only happen when you're doing something to promote the growth. This is usually the, re the result of nourishment, cultivating, watering, fertilizing. My daughter-in-law brought me uh, uh, basil from her, her garden, and she brought me basil leaves, and she, and she brought me mint. And I made this amazing lemonade with these little mint leaves. And I put it into my lemonade, and I was like, whoa, this tastes bougie. You ever have those moments in your house where you're feeling bougie? You like light up a candle? I'm like, I feel bougie. <laughs> I don't want to drink regular water. I want to drink something with some flavor. So I put, I, I put this mint in there, and Becky goes off to work, and I'm working in the house, and I feel bougie. And I did this whole thing, and I go out, and I sweat, and I drink my little lemon mint water, and it's delicious. And uh, two days ago, I made the same drink again, and it didn't taste the same. It didn't taste bougie. It tastes different. 
it tastes different because I mixed up the mint and I put basil <laughs> in, my, in my drink. It was different. It was exotic, right? But when she handed to me, she handed to me in two little baggies, and, and the baggies had napkins, and she's like, hey, Dad, what you want to do is, you want to make sure that you put the bags, and she gave me all these instructions. And then she told me, she gave me an explanation um, of all the stuff that she does to make sure that these things have longevity. See, gr- roots grow deep, 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 deep under the surface based on what you're doing on top of the surface. So the stuff that I do on top of the surface, it's, it's, not, about, it's not about what people see and people applaud. It's about what's happening under where no one else sees. So what are the things that you are doing on behalf of your growth to elicit growth? To promote these roots to shoot out from you and connect to him. Remember, where, where are the roots trying to reach? The roots are trying to reach who? Him. So what are the things that you are doing? Pastor, I don't know how to water, cultivate, or nourish my walk as a Christian. I'm going to tell you. Daily moments of prayer. Pause, reflect. Times of devotion. Scripture reading. I don't know what I'm reading. Just read. Just just read. Close your eyes. Say, Holy Spirit, I need to understand this. I don't understand it. Help me. Listen to songs of praise. We were in our huddle this morning. All of our our volunteers. What is your favorite worship song? And people were just calling that song. This song. And a couple people were like, one one person said, I like gasolina. That made the list. That made the list. Another person said suave, man. <laughs> it got crazy. Like, God, that's on your playlist. But, but, but the moments of reading God's word, the moments of, of, of journaling, write stuff down. Take a moment, write something. I, I, I want to thank um, Vaughn for checking up on me as much as he does. Vaughn, thank you. I love you, man. Really appreciate that. Hector Santiago, who, oh my goodness, like six, seven times a day sending me scriptures. Like, man, I got a Bible. But, but, he's, but he sends stuff to me. He's always sending stuff to me. And, and Anthony sends me prayers. I'm like going, I must be sinning. I'm getting the wrong vibes or something. And these guys are all sending me, you know, messages. But, but I think that's encouraging. It's empowering. And I would tell you, these are the things that nourish, that water, the things on the surface that have an impact on what's happening under. Read and pray and, and, and call one another and encourage them. What are you doing? And pray for me. I want to pray for you. Check in on folk. Paul said to the Colossians, then your faith will what? Will what? What grows strong? Your faith faith grows strong in the truth that you were taught. And then you will, you will what? Overflow. Overflow. With what? That's, 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 That's the evidence of what's happening underneath. 
What is it? You're walking thankfulness. So why do we need strong faith in truth? Why do we need strong faith in truth? Well, the reason we need strong faith is to remain rooted in what we believe. If you don't believe the freedom that has been afforded to you by way of the cross because of Jesus, then chances are that you'll be susceptible to being enslaved again and again in sin. Because you're not confident in the truth that you believe. This was the situation with the Colossian church. After Paul would teach the church, others would come and infiltrate and they would begin to cause confusion within the church. Paul, Paul was, was, was irate about this. We read about this in Galatians. He told them to, you got to get your stuff together. There are false teachers out there. Stop it. I didn't teach you that. You didn't learn that from me. And here he is again in Colossians, and he's doing the same thing. Listen to what he says in verse 8. He says, why? Because we're trying to answer then, why do I need, why do I need strong faith? Don't let, stop. Don't let, and, and anyone, this means anyone. You should be strong in your faith on your own. Not because of dad, not because of mom, not because of wifey, not because of hubby. You should be strong in your faith because of you. Because of my cousin, because of my auntie, because of my granny, because of my grandpappy. No, because of you. And he says, don't let anyone, cap anyone capture you with what? Empty, Empty philosophies and high sounding sense that come from and from the powers of this world rather than from Christ. You know we're living in a we're living in an era of information. There's information of all walks and forms at our fingertips. Man, the amount of and, and I tell you to stop doing it, but you still think, I, like, you think, like, I'm joking. Like, stop, don't. I don't, I don't care to. <laughs> you got it. This is a great YouTube video, Pastor. Keep them to yourself. Don't send them to me, please. <laughs> All that I need, I find it in his word. I, I don't care about the YouTube videos, so keep them. I don't care how inspirational they are. Keep them. The word says that his word, his word will not come back void. It is his word. I don't need a clip from YouTube. And, and so we're living in a time of information, and there's all forms of information, information about faith and science and history and health and finances and politics and videos and videos and videos. I'm telling you, anything you send to Pastor Jay, guess what? Delete. Don't read it. I'm telling you right now, I'm not being a bully and I'm not being mean. I just don't care for him. I really, I don't. So Dr. Gladys, stop. <laughs> See, what happens is, is if you're not rooted in truth of who Jesus is 
and who you are as a child of God. These are the things you need to be rooted in. I need to know what Jesus did, and then I need to know who I am as a result of what Jesus did. Then you can easily be shaken and uprooted as a result of weak faith. So many believers suffer from weak faith. And what does this mean? That if something happens in the church, well, that's going to have an impact on my walk with God. If someone said something to me or something, someone looked at me a certain way, well, guess what? I knew it. This is all faith. And you go. And and so many people have a weak faith. Many people, something happened with the pastor. Oh, I'm telling you, if the pastor is messing up, eh, what's 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 it for me? I tell you, take your eyes off of me. Don't look to me. Don't look to me. You're the model. No, I'm not. No, I'm not the model. I will mess you up. I've said this over and over. I am a flawed human being. I am not divine. I am not divine. I point you to the one who is. I point you to the one who is. It's my job. Thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) But if you're not rooted... In this truth, then you'll end up, as a result, having weak faith. And just like the church of Colossians, we're, we're, we're being bombarded and berated with, with information by scholars and teachers. Everybody's a teacher. Everybody's an apostle. Every, everybody's a prophet. Everybody's got some word. Everybody is revealing some form of a mystery, some insight. And a lot of this happens in the intimacy of our very own homes, through our phones, tablets, computers. We are all exposed to thousands upon thousands of topics, teachings from pastors and ministers, apostles, evangelists. All teaching. Everybody has a teaching. Everybody has a teaching. Everybody has a revelation. (laughs) Holy smoke. You know, the, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were 400 years of silence where God said nothing. And everybody's got a word. I got a word for you. Shut up. Just shut up. Keep your word. Pastor, then how, do you, how do we know? How, how do we know about this truth? Grow in your walk with Jesus. You grow in your walk with Jesus. Well, I want to answer that question. How do we grow? How do we grow? I want to answer this. Let's go to the next verse. For in lives what lives in Christ? What lives in Christ? All the of Come on, keep reading. And what? In a human body. Ten. So you. What? Stop. So what do we learn about Jesus in verse nine? Go back to verse nine. What do we learn in verse nine? For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. What do we learn about Christ? He is 100% God. 
100% God. While he was on earth, he was 100% man. But he was 100% God. And then what he says, as a result of this, are you listening? I want these, where are my single ladies? Where are my single ladies? Where are my single ladies? Okay. Uh, 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 uh. okay. Go to verse 10. Go to verse 10. So you also are what? What are you? What are you? Don't you think that you need a man to be married in a toxic relationship to be complete? No. No, you don't. Where are my single fellas? Shut up, Angelo. <laughs> You're complete, man. All this stuff where I'm broken and I'm still, you know, I'm healing and I'm going. Man, you are complete. Through your through your union with Christ, who happens to be the head. Now, I want you guys to take some of this. I want you to take all of this with you because I want to shake some things up in a lot of your theology and a lot of this stuff. Uh, some, some of you guys just because I understand that we all come from many people come from different churches or different backgrounds. And this is why I said I want you to read for yourself. You got to read it for yourself. Grow. So so I want you to get this. Listen, and I want you to listen well. Right. Because I know that what I'm about to say. Is, is, is probably going to shake some of, you know, your, your biblical foundation and denomination systems beliefs. I get it. I get it. But listen. Any form of a faith, whether it's a church, a denomination, a movement that rejects Jesus as God or God in Jesus in all of his fullness in authority as head and ruler over everything in heaven on earth or under is a false religion. Did you hear that? Well, I don't know how to tell the truth. I'm telling you, it's right there. Furthermore, any and all religions and religious groups and systems that rejects your completeness, your fulfillment, your wholeness through your own union with Christ is also a false religion. If you're being taught that you must do works Beyond what Jesus has already done on the cross, it's a false religion. Run and run quick. Run, run quick. Take your money. Take your time. Take your get run quick. You can stop by Scarlet Note and leave your money. <laughs> we can sure use it. Paul then lays out this theology, his what his faith belief is for this, for his churches. And remember, he's a traveling missionary. He's an apostle. So he's not in one particular church for long periods of time. So he has to write these letters. What you're reading, they're letters that Paul wrote in response to the need of the churches where he couldn't be. 
So then Paul lays out his, his belief system. And what we're going to read is the belief system that Paul wrote to these churches. And then he said, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but he explains it. Not by a physical procedure. All right? Get that out of the way. Some of you guys can go, well, thank God. Christ performed a circumcision. What did he do? The cutting away of sinful nature. Stop there. That is your spiritual circumcision. What did he do? He cut away your sinful nature. Cut that away. You're now all circumcised. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Let me stop. All right, we're going to stop. Then he says, you were buried with Christ when you were, when you were, y'all should be running to get baptized. We, y'all should be flooding. I want to get baptized. I, I, if you haven't been baptized, look it up when our next baptism is. Let's get you baptized so that you understand what this is symbolically about. And he says, you were buried with him when you were baptized and with him. And with him. You were, you were, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of the water. Of what? God. God. Baptism doesn't do it. God does it. So he says, by God who raised Christ from the dead. Continue. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Continue. Then, somebody say then. Then. God made you with Christ. You are alive in Christ. Listen, you are alive. There are people that are alive but live dead. Just have no joy in them. Have no umph in them. That's just how I feel. This is everything about it. The way it impacts me. You all know the stress and all the stuff that's happening to me. Oh my goodness, you're made alive. For he forgave some of your sins. Huh? What does it say? All of your sins. But this is my favorite part. Oh, this is my favorite part. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And then he took it away by boom. Nailing it to the cross. Man, I left my hair without the ponytail so I could go boom. boom. What that dramatic effect. So, so in a nutshell, we're reading the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus. So what's the good news? He took the charges against me and he took it to the cross and he nailed it there. Our whole faith hinges on this statement. Our, every, our, all of our faith, this is the crux of the gospel of Jesus. Right there, what you just finished reading. This is the truth of our faith. You should know this. You should memorize it. You should highlight it. Mark it in your Bible. If you don't have your Bible with you, mark it so when you go home you can mark it, read it. I will tell you, rip it. 
posted somewhere, in the refrigerator, your advisor, anywhere you go. So it's always there so that you can read this statement of your faith. God made you alive in Christ. He made you what? Alive. He made you what? Alive. And not just, not just to live any normal life, but to live an abundant life. Yes. An abundant life. What else did he do? He forgave all of your sins. What else did he do? He canceled the record of the charges against you. Some of us are still dragging this stuff around. And he says, what are you dragging? What are you complaining about? What are you crying about? I forgave you. It's done. Done. Your parents may remind you of your failures, but God doesn't remember them. Your husband may remind you of your failures, but God doesn't remember. They're canceled. He took it away and then he nails it to the cross. Now knowing this above everything else, what does it do? It cements my faith. It helps me to grow strong in my faith because I know that truth. If this truth isn't the filter, then I, I can fall victim to the flood of untruths that are going to bombard me daily. I, I'm going to run the risk of being persuaded otherwise to think then I can't be a child of God. Why? Because I'm not good enough, because I'm not worthy. I remember, was it Luis that said, he said, you know, going to church, church was, I, I, felt, I felt guilty to go to church. It was hard for me to get out of my car and go to church. Why? I didn't feel worthy. I was just not good enough. This is why many people say, I got to get prepared. There's some stuff I got to fix inside. You know, some things I, just from my past, I got to get them together. Once I get all that stuff together, then I come into the church. No. Church is a place where we come together. We're all jacked up. We all need some healing. Starting from me, right here. We all need some healing. And then we come here and we can celebrate and live a life of thankfulness because of this mess that he has forgiven. And Paul wanted his churches to know something supernatural about believing this truth. I have 10 minutes to wrap things up. Paul wanted his churches to know this. What did he want them to, to know? Well, this whole series on the, the, the series on, on freedom of his love. I, I want this to be one of the most important takeaways of this series. I, I want you. Are you ready? I want you to take. This is a big one. And this is what Paul wanted his churches to know. Are you ready? This is a biggie. This is, this is big. Real big. Is this is going to change your walk. I know it. Some of you are even going to probably be challenged because a lot of you guys believe stuff that you've read or that you've heard. And, um, and uh, you guys don't know who you are. Because you don't know who you are, because of what he did, then you become enslaved to believe in all this stuff that's not even biblical, untrue, or misinterpreted. Are you ready? So, verse 15. This is this is this is deep. This is big. Ready? In this way. What way? In this way. In what way? 
Okay, but, but what was the way? What was the way? Yeah, but what, what way? What was the verse that we read before? What happened? The nailing of the cross. What he did, right? The charges, he took it, he nailed it. So he takes your charges, the ones that are nailed on the cross, in this way, what did he afford you? What did he afford me? What did he afford us? That person watching right now. What did he do in this way by nailing the charges against you to the cross? What does he do? What did he do? Stop. What did he do? Somebody needs to hear that. Stuff that you're believing and that you're reading out there and books upon books. He disarmed. What did he disarm? The spiritual. Who were the charges against? You. Me. So what does Jesus do? He goes to the cross and he nails those charges that are against you. And what does he do? He disarms. What does he disarm? Spiritual rulers and authorities. They are what? They are what? Please make a note of that word. They are what? They are what? Continue. He to the cross. What did he do? He then humiliates. He shames the spiritual rulers, the authorities. But they're disarmed now. No other way was your freedom purchased other than what happened on the cross. I, as long as I'm a pastor here, I don't know how long it's going to be because these guys keep moving me. I don't know. I used to play a keyboard. They moved me from there. I used to sing. They don't want me singing anymore. I don't know what else to do. But as long as I'm a pastor here, you're always going to hear me talk about one thing, one thing only, the cross. The cross. The cross. The cr- what happened on the cross? That, that, is, that is the cornerstone of our faith. Sin is forgiven. What way? Because of what happened on the cross. My debt was canceled. How? What way? By what happened on the cross. So now if freedom in Christ wasn't enough, as if forgiveness wasn't enough, because I think that's enough, as if being complete and whole and fulfilled wasn't enough to give me a life more abundant, then Christ still does more for me on that cross. What did he do? He disarms the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shames them publicly by his victory on the cross. Over them on the cross. He says, man, you thought you were defeating me? (laughs) No. Switch this thing up on you. Victory is mine. And then I gave it. I give it to my followers. See, you don't have to live a life in fear of what any spirit can do to you. Yeah, I said that. Yes, I said it. You don't have to live in fear of what any spirit can do. You don't have to live victimized by family curses. You don't have to live subjugated to any spirit influence over you and your family and those ahead of you because they have been 
if something is disarmed, then it means that it cannot harm you. It poses no threat. Why? It's disarmed. Take the teeth out of any pit bull. You're just going to get a big hug with his mouth. You've disarmed him. If any authority figure has been disarmed against you, then it has no power over you. Pastor, put oil on the walls of my house. For what? For evil spirits away. Huh? You don't have to fear Satan. You don't have to fear demons. You don't have to fear demonic work that's lifted up against you. It cannot prevail against you. Why? 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 You're disarmed. You need to know this. Way too many craziness out there in many places of worship where people flock from one, one deliverance meeting to another deliverance meeting. I've been delivered! And then they go to another and another week. I've been delivered again! And every other week they're being delivered! <laughs> when you know this truth, you learn to be confident and bold in your knowledge of the power that's in you by way of Jesus. Not because of anything he did. It's because of everything that he did on the cross. These weird prayers. You ever heard those weird prayers? I unseat every principality that sits in the high places. You what? I unseat them. And then I bind them. I shackle them. Make them powerless. Jesus did that 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. You can't do more than what Jesus has already done. He's, in, he's a disarmed assailant who is powerless. Powerless. But the only way he can gain power is if you keep ignorant of this truth. See, Paul then gives the Colossians a warning. He, he forewarns them against a few things to avoid and to stand against. This is my last verse. Verse 16. What does he say? He says, so, ho, 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 don't get ahead of me. See, now y'all want to read. Read at home. You, when you're here, you read with me. So don't let anyone do what? What's condemning? What's condemned? What's to condemn? To judge? Huh? Accuse? So he says, don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let. Listen, stop it at the root. I was sitting with uh, Deanna and Angela, and we were sharing back and forth, and she was telling me about a Zoom meeting that they have of prayer and encouragement, and, and one of her sisters uh, on, on, on a Zoom uh, group that they had together, she heard something that was, that was off of what Scripture says and the truth that she can boldly proclaim, and she said, I don't entertain that. Amen. Be bold in what you know. Be bold in this truth. And he says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you, for what you, 
or not celebrating certain holidays, holy days, sorry, holy days, <laughs> or new moons, ceremonies, or Sabbaths. Well, I serve this day. Oh, I go to church this day. Oh, we do it this way. Oh, we have to do it this way. Who don't go out for Halloween because they're going to get you? <laughs> Halloween is the day of the witches. Dia de los muertos. Ah. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad. I will rejoice this day. Live my life in fear of what? A witch? Pastor, a witch? Do you know the name above all names? The, the, the name that disarmed every and every spirit. And then he gives you the victory. He gives you the claim of that victory. So he says, don't let anyone, anyone condemn you. You know that scripture says, let me read the scripture to you. Shut up. Just shut up. Paul closes with rational, sound advice. What does he say? Don't let anyone condemn you. So how do you not let someone condemn you? How? How? Shut up. Huh. <laughs> Shut up. Run from it. Stop entertaining it. Pastor, you know, I had a conversation and, you know, my I go to this church and then and they got together and they were having this Bible study. So I went to that Bible study and then they were, you know, like going to go, yo, we have one service on Sunday. Why? I want you to enjoy life. I want you to live the joy of your freedom Monday through Saturday. Enjoy it with your children. Enjoy it with your spouse. And be the light of the world, not in the church, but out in the world. So enjoy it. Uh, I had nothing to do, so I went to the Bible study. When uh, I go Monday, I go then, I go Wednesday, and I go do it. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Live life, enjoy it. Good, one person. <laughs> you're not going to, I'm telling you, you're not going to catch me. From one, one service to another service to another service to another service. Man, I got a pool, guys. I want to swim in my pool. <laughs> I can't swim in a pool if I'm stuck in Bible study after Bible study and Bible study. I already know this. I know that. So he closes with that. He says, don't let anyone condemn you. I mean, shut up. I don't, don't want to hear it. It's just, I don't want to hear it. Block, delete. I, I just, I don't want to hear it. You're free in Jesus. You are free in Jesus. Man, I want those words to resonate in every part of your body. You are free in Jesus. So don't let any person tell you that I can't do this or that I can't do that or, or, or not to leave my, don't leave your home this day because you know what's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Why? Disarmed. Disarmed. Freedom in his love says that all that I do in my walk before the Lord is my expression of thankfulness for the high price that he paid on the cross. Where's Luis? Where's Luis? Where? Where's Luis? Luis, come on. Who's that? Who has that baby? Give rid of him. Throw him, throw him down somewhere. 
Louis, we're the parents. We're the parents. What is this? Parents come to church and give up their child for other people to take care of them. What kind of church this is? But I was, I was thinking of Luis, and, and, and he doesn't know. We didn't rehearse this. You don't know what I'm going to do. You don't know what I'm going to ask, right? No. No. I'm scared. <laughs> He's scared. Shh. But listen. Listen. Luis is a law enforcement officer, right? Popo. Or 5-0, I mean, whatever you're... <laughs> Listen, law enforcement. Luis, by nature of his career, of what he does for a living, he is typically armed. Usually this involves a vest... It involves a weapon or weapons. In those weapons, there is a whole belt that carries a lot of little instruments to tickle people, you know? <laughs> Discipline they don't get at home, they're going to get it. It involves uh, uh, a, a, a stick that hurts, right? It'll, it'll put you to sleep. And then it has a taser. And then there's spray. And then, like, Chinese stars? No, there are Chinese stars. But, and you have a weapon, obviously, and there's probably other things. That makes him armed for duty. And when you see the outfit, you see the belt, you see the holster, you see... You, 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 you see the stick, you see the, the, the thing that tickles, the, the laser, not the laser, the taser. You see the vest, you see all of this stuff, right? And they all walk with this little, this thing. You've seen them all, right? Thing. And they walk and they rest, they, re they like to rest. They do. They're, they rest it right there, yeah? You say what? What did you say? <laughs> right? However, the most important weapon in his arsenal has nothing to do with any of those things. None of those things. Why? Because you can pick those things up at Amazon. You can. I, I don't. I'm not condoning it, but you can. I could get a vest. You're about to like Paul Bart, you know? <laughs> but this man can stop, and Becky and I were talking about this, traffic in a way that you and I can't do. Not with a gun, weapon, or not with, a, with his taser, not with anything else. But everywhere he goes, usually there is something they all carry. You left it? No, I got it. You got it. What is it? My credentials. Huh? My credentials. Whoop it out. Whoop it out. 
I want to make sure. He had them tight pants. Yes, uh, skinny jeans. Open it. He can stop anything. He could, he, because of those credentials, those credentials say the country, the state, the county, the city, the township, the jurisdiction that I have stands behind me in my decision. I am an enforcer of the law. So when uh, I do this with respect, I do this with respect. There's a damn. (laughs) Don't let me have this. I'm telling you. Let me have the Man, I go to Walmart. Move over. (laughs) Right there. You know what that says? says? There is an authority that stands behind me. So you tell me, what threat to you is any assailant that is disarmed? Huh? Very low. Very low. Yeah, officer presses. Huh? No tools, officer presses. Yeah. Listen, listen, it poses no threat. Okay, let's give Luis a hand. Hold on. When you stand as a child of God, there is an authority that backs you up. That there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. Not because of you, but those credentials. Come on, those credentials. Those credentials. That is the freedom in his love. When you have this knowledge, nothing can stand against you. Nothing will pose a threat against you. Come on, stand to your feet and celebrate your freedom. again for checking out our podcast if you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org see you next time